I'm at the second. <laughs> Hi, this is Pastor Gary Beasley from Christ Street Fellowship. I wanted to say thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. Make sure you subscribe so that you can be notified whenever we post a new podcast. Our prayer for you is that you continue to grow as Jesus did in wisdom, stature, and in favor with God and man. So get ready and please enjoy today's message. My mom? Yeah, probably my friends more than my mom because my mom's kind of old-fashioned. Trusted relationships that I think have a lot of wisdom to share with me. I've got a good boss um, who I can get career advice from. Go talk to our youth minister, Kyle. I do that. Oh my gosh, yeah. yes, Kyle. Literature, um, people who, whose views I really respect, um, whether they're actually people I know or people who've like written something, artists or musicians. Your closest friend or maybe not your closest friend. You might want a complete stranger. I don't know, I can't look for guidance all the time. You have to look for it within yourself because if you're looking for it in other people, you will never learn on your own. If I like get out of place, like I'll go back to nature somehow. So I think throughout my life I've had a series of mentors that have been really, really solid. And I'm not necessarily like a lyrics person at all, but a lot of times like the spirit of the music is um, where I'll go to if I need inspiration. I don't know, depending on the thing too, I've got like various mentors within uh, what I'm trying to do. Somebody who knows more than me. My heart space and try to figure out what it is my heart wants me to do. No, I go to my mother for guidance. Her and my daddy, I support them a lot because, I mean, they made me into this guy. <laughs> so people on the street asked at random, where do you go for guidance in life? Here's something we know from the scripture. God loves us. And he has an amazing plan for our lives. Matter of fact, the scripture says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, and this is from the New Living Translation, you are God's masterpiece. And the word masterpiece comes from the Greek word poema, which we get our word poem from. We are God's poem. We are God's masterpiece. We are God's creation. And it starts out when you give your life to Christ, that masterpiece, if you just kind of picture a, a, a long poem being written, it's just a few verses. Uh, or if it's a picture, it's just you know a few things drawn in. But over the course of our lifetime, God fills in this masterpiece. He writes the rest of this poem. He makes something beautiful out of our lives, fruitful and productive. How does He do it? He does it by guiding us step by step, decision by decision, all of our lives. And so that's why we have to include him in all the decisions that we make in life. He's making a masterpiece. Lord, what should I do next? Where should I go? Where should I work? Um, how should I spend my day? Lord, keep answering this, God. Keep guiding me so I can become that masterpiece. And God promises to do it. Psalms 32, verse 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. 
God wants to guide you. He doesn't want to leave you on your own. You're not subject to just asking the advice of your buddy from work or whatever. God Himself wants to guide you. So how? That's what we're going to talk about today. I'm going to talk about it now, and then in your small groups, you're going to go uh, in depth talking to one another about this. How does God guide us? Well, I'm going to give you five ways the Scripture talks about God guiding us. And perhaps there are many more ways than this, but at least in my experience, these five have held me pretty good in determining what God wants me to do, doesn't want me to do, and these are time-tested in the Scripture and in the life of the church as ways that God guides us. So, they all start with the letter C to make them very easy for everybody uh, to remember. So, let's launch into them. The first way God guides us in life is through a commanding Scripture. God guides us primarily here because He inspired the authors to write this book. 66 different books all compiled into one giant volume, all of them inspired by God. So the Lord has guided people throughout history. He's guided them to write. He's guided them what to put down. And the main source of our guidance in life is right here. It's here for us. It says in Psalms 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In this book, it talks about his love for us, his kindness, his mercy, his grace, how important we are to him. And it reveals God's general will. will. Now, I'll talk about his specific guidance as we go along, but his general guidance is right here, how to live our lives. Do you know inside that book, it tells you how to be married now, not who to marry, we'll talk about that, but it, but it talks about how a husband should treat his wife, how a wife should respond to her husband. There's instructions in there about how to treat your neighbor, how to treat your friends, about how to deal with elderly relatives and care for them. It's God's guidance about how to work, be an employee and an employer, God's guidance about money, God's guidance about children, all right there. So God guide me sure read this book read it often learn what's in it it's filled with guidance so you can become God's masterpiece by following them so it also tells us about the primary calling all of us have in our life to love God to love others to be transformed to be more like Jesus it's the way God generally guides his followers so if that's true, then you think we ought to read it? You think we ought to learn what's in it? Now, I know a lot of people don't like to read, and we live in a world now where you don't really have to if you can listen. So I put in my little Beats earbuds when I go for my walk in the morning. I have the Bible, boop, hit the little button there, and it's read out loud to me. And I just keep working my way through the New Testament over and over again. Now, I read the Old as well, but I read the New Testament or listen to it about as twice as much as I do the Old because I know I'm living in the New Covenant. So I just all the time try to immerse myself in the Scripture because it gives guidance to our lives. And can I encourage you to do that? 
Can I encourage you to either read a little bit or listen to the Bible on a regular basis? You might think that's encouragement that's really not needed, but it is. When you look at the statistics of how many Christians actually read or listen to the Scriptures on a regular basis, it's not a whole lot. It's transformational. It's guidance par excellence. Read that book. So that's God's general guidance. Yeah, it tells me all these things in a general way, but what about specifically? I'm a, I'm a unique person. I have a unique relationship with God. I, I need to know how He wants me to uh, live my life specifically day to day. And that's where these next four C's come in. And as you look at these, and I talk about them today, you're going to realize that this guidance, this getting guidance for, from God, is much more of an art than a science. I mean, God makes it in such a way that you have to go back to Him over and over again and say, God, please clarify that. And Lord, I, I thought I knew what you wanted me to do, but Lord, is that really, uh, this what really is happening? And I thought about it this week. Why didn't God just make it a science so you know, I would know exactly what to do every moment? Because God's interested in relationship. And in relationship, if I have to go back to Him all the time and say, well, Lord, tell me again, and I'm not sure, and make it more clear, it keeps driving me back into relationship, which is the whole point. Sometimes in decision-making, just one of these C's is all that's needed the uh, commanding Scripture. But other times you need two or three of them, and sometimes big decisions, all five of them, before you make a move. So the next one is this. The compelling Spirit of God. And we just spent three weeks talking about the Holy Spirit. God guides us through His Holy Spirit as we listen. He guided us through the Bible as we read, but He guides us by His Spirit as we listen to His Spirit. To be a Christian is to be led by the Spirit. Holy Spirit comes to live in our hearts. We begin to recognize the voice of Jesus through the Spirit inside of us. And as we pray, we begin to recognize that's the voice of God. And the longer we walk with God, the more we recognize when thoughts come, hmm, that's God communicating to me. Have you ever had somebody call you on the phone and I've had this happen and maybe you have too and uh, they think they know you or maybe they do know you but you don't know them uh, being a pastor sometimes somebody will come up to me and they met me at a funeral or something or they heard me speak and and they know me uh, I've had people call me on the phone and uh, you pick it up and I go hello hi uh, and this is Hank and they just start talking like I'm supposed to know who Hank is and it's so awkward that uh, I listen to Hank for a while, but you're into the conversation. Uh, you don't want to say, I don't know you. So you say things like, well, Hank, uh, how are things going with everybody? And then, uh, Hank, how are you doing at that thing you do? And you don't know who Hank is, and it's an awkward conversation. But I've also had my wife call me. She does on a regular basis. And when she starts to talk, the first word she says, I know who it is. The first word, that's Joanna. I know. I've heard that voice for 42 years. I know the voice of Joanna. It's clear. It's her. 
I don't need to have anything pop up on my phone. I know her voice. It takes a while to be able to distinguish God's voice from your thoughts. Again, it's an art, not a science. It takes a while to be able to distinguish, ah, that's God that gave me that thought. That wasn't just something I saw or my own ideas. And the longer you walk with him, the more clear it is, the more you know, the more you can tell that's God's voice and God's leading. And he gives you his thoughts, and when they come, you go, oh, that's God's thought for me. That's what God wants me to do. And then God gives you also strong desires to want to do things. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, God works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Sometimes the way God guides you is he just gives you this strong desire to do something. Uh, he gave me that to start a church. I was uh, uh, Years ago, I just had this strong thing in me, start a church. Well, Lord, is that you? Is that not you? And you have to work through it and think through it. But the more you distinguish this desire is coming from God, you know, he's leading me that way. But other times God guides you in very unusual ways. And we talked about these last week, visions or pictures or, or prophecies. He can do that as well. I told you the story last week when I was 23. I was sitting in a church service kind of like this, and a pastor was preaching, a visiting pastor. And This was back in the days when the other pastors sat on the stage kind of in chairs. It was kind of a way we did things. And so this pastor was preaching, and he stopped preaching, and he pointed at me. And he said, I want to pray for that man. And so he went down and they got me and brought me up. I'm 23. I got hair down to here. I think I was wearing my bib overalls. They were very cool. Uh, I, just, I think I just watched God spell and was trying to kind of get in the feel there of you know, the, the whole experience. And so they called me up. And here I am. Ah, what's happening? And so a man prayed over me and spoke to Scripture. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you because he's called you to preach the gospel. It's like, What? Uh, that wasn't what I was thinking was going to happen. It was, it was the kind of thing that doesn't happen every day, but when it happens, it's so profound. You know, you remember it for a lifetime. God can do it that way as well. But sometimes he does it in such mundane ways. Just gives you an impression to do something. I just have this impression I should call Jason today. I think I'll do it. I just had this impression that maybe Des is going through some challenges. I want to, you know, just talk to her and pull her aside. And that can be the Holy Spirit just as much as something profound like I described earlier. So we have the general will of God in the compelling Scripture. We, we read to determine that. But specific will of God, the compelling Spirit can, can, can speak to us, can guide us in a variety of ways. And then the next C is the council of the saints. Now, by saints, the New Testament refers to just Christians. You and I, we are all saints in the sense that we are all followers of Christ. So, counsel of the saints is getting advice, advice from people who love Jesus, who you know follow Him, you know that they, uh, you can trust their wisdom, their integrity. And I'm going to do a whole session on this when we get to our Alpha session, our last one about the church. But this is really getting advice from godly people. You see, God just doesn't speak to me. He speaks to us. And sometimes you can hear the voice 
from other people saying, I think God's saying this for you, or I think this would be a great thing for you. Proverbs 12, 15. The wise person listens to advice. Proverbs 20, verse 18. Make plans by seeking advice. And I'm grateful. I know you probably are too for the advice I've gotten throughout my life from my parents, uh, my friends, and now from my children and from those whose spiritual life I trust, their relationship with Christ that I trust. So, however, just like with the compelling spirit, the counsel of the saints. I just don't do things because somebody thinks it's a good idea. And I just don't do things because I think God's speaking to me. I put all of these things together and I, I test them. You test them by going back into the scripture, making sure that the advice you're getting or what you feel like the Lord is leading you to do does not violate God's word. First John 4, 1, test the spirits to see whether or not they are from God. So if somebody is giving me some advice, I make sure that it's biblical, that it's right before I would follow that. And I also make sure that I have a peace about doing it. Sometimes people give you the greatest advice. It's biblical, but you have this thing inside. It's like, oh, I just don't feel a peace about doing that. Then don't do it. It says in Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Now, ultimately, we're all responsible for the decisions that we make, but I'm telling you, you make much better ones when you get the counsel of the saints. There's a fourth C. It's common sense. Common sense. God guides you as you think about things. We're told in 2 Timothy 2.7, reflect on what I'm saying. For the Lord will give you insight into all of this. I told you there's stuff in here about the general will of God, and there is. There's instructions in here about what husbands should do. Husbands should love their wives. There's instructions here about how wives should respond to their husbands. Wives, um, it actually says wives submit to your husbands, and I'll have to give you a whole uh, session on what that actually is talking about. But there's general instructions in here, but it doesn't tell me specifically in here who I'm supposed to marry. If you're looking for that, well, who, who does God want me to marry? I'm going to find that. You won't find it in here. I think a whole lot of that has to come down to common sense. We are told in Scripture that we should marry in the Lord. It means I should marry someone who is a, a Christian. That's going to make your life a whole lot better than uh, otherwise. But common sense is like things like, do we get along good with one another? Are we constantly fighting with one another? If we're constantly fighting before we get married, it doesn't make any sense to marry this person because we're going to fight a whole lot more later on when the pressure comes and the kids come and all of that. Uh, are we compatible with one another? Uh, do, do we have a relationship where we can resolve conflict with one another? You use common sense. God gave you a brain to use. We have the mind of Christ, and God can help us if we just put down reasons why this is a good idea and a bad idea. Sometimes just looking at that, the Spirit can say, well, this doesn't make any sense to do that. You should be doing that instead. 
And then finally, circumstantial signs. Sometimes God closes doors, and sometimes He opens doors. God is sovereign. He rules and He reigns in the universe. He can direct your life. He orchestrated where you're going to be born. He orchestrated a whole lot of things about your life. And the Scripture says, We know that in all things God works for the good to those who love Him and have been called according to His purpose. He's establishing our steps. We talked about it in the series of story. That God is in the upper story. He's looking down on our lives in the lower story. He's orchestrating events. He's directing things. And so you have to pay attention to that. If you want God's guidance, well, Lord, this seems to be an open door you're doing. Lord, you put this person in my life. Now, none of those seas by themselves, the last four of them, are, are an indicator of what you should do. You have to put it all together. Does this make sense? Is God opening a door? I better get some advice about this. Spirit of God, you give me a peace. Somehow, it all has to be put together to determine what God wants you to do. And God can give you wisdom, important decisions. You put them all together and you pray a lot before you do something. There can be open doors. There can be closed doors. The story I told you about the man calling me up and saying, um, the Spirit of the Lord is upon you because I've anointed you to preach, um, that happened, yes. But something also happened right about that same time. I went to college for five years. I, took a, uh, I got a degree in agricultural biology, the study of insects and plant diseases. Actually, my degree was specific to get a job being an agricultural biologist, that was my degree, for one of the counties in California. So I was living in Northern California about that time, 23 years old. I uh, saw in the paper there was a job opening for the county I lived in for an agricultural biologist, which was exactly my degree. So I applied for the job. I took the written test. And I finished number one on the written test. I got this thing in the pay, uh, noted by, notified by the county that I finished number one on this test. They called in the top three applicants who scored the highest to give them an oral interview to see who was going to be hired to be an agricultural biologist. I thought, I will ace this interview. You kidding? Five years with this. I, I know what I'm talking So I did the interview, and man, it bombed. I thought later, why did it bomb? Because I was living in a Jesus people commune uh, in Northern California. And you could tell by my address where I was living with 70 other Jesus people. And the folks who were doing the interview, I could kind of tell, I think I could kind of tell that they weren't too excited about having what you used to call a Jesus freak. Uh, working for them so the questions were strange the whole thing was strange and then I got something in the mail saying uh, thanks for applying but you are not offered the job God closed the door but sometimes when it seems God closes a door he just wants you to keep knocking on it for a long time to learn perseverance to to not give up uh, maybe it's just a test of your faith maybe or maybe it's a closed door you're supposed to walk away from. So how do you know? You have to put all five together. 
God guides you through reading a commanding scripture. He guides you through listening to the Spirit, a compelling Spirit. He guides you by talking to other Christians, the counsel of the saints. He guides you by thinking common sense. And He guides you by watching what He's doing, circumstantial signs. And if you put them all together, you learn to hear that voice of God better and better, then your life is going to be every bit of that poem, every bit of that masterpiece that God wanted it to be. And you'll look back one day saying, wow, look what God did. In December of 1938, Nicholas Winton was a young stockbroker from England. And he was on vacation in Prague right about the time of the Nazi occupation. And he realized that Jewish families were in great jeopardy. And while he was on vacation over the space of only three weeks, he met with scores of distraught Jewish parents who were afraid of what was going to happen and afraid of what was going to happen to their children. And he got an idea that he would try to create a way that if the parents wanted him to, he could get their children admitted or sent to England so they could be safe. So while he was there, he arranged for 664 Jewish children who it turns out later on would have all been killed along with their parents. 664 Jewish children to be transported back to England. He persuaded the home secretary to allow them to come in. He found families to become their foster families he got permits for them to get them out of Czechoslovakia. He placed them in families in England and, and saved all their lives. And then the war broke out. He became a fighter pilot. Amazing man, Nicholas Winton. But this event in his life where he rescued these children, uh, all these children, uh, it just became something that he kind of did, and he didn't want to take a lot of credit for it. He didn't even tell his wife later on when he got married, about what he did. But years later, she was up in the attic of their house in 1988. She came across a suitcase. She opened it, and inside were the pictures and letters that had to do with all these children that her husband had rescued from Czechoslovakia. So she contacted an a journalist from England who was a television host who had this program that would come on all the time and told this uh, lady, his name was Esther Renson, about this remarkable story about her husband. Well, this lady, the television journalist, thought this was a remarkable story. Here's what she did. She found out where some of the children were. And they, by this time, they're grown people. She found out that Nicholas Winton was now in his 90s. She put together a special television show, invited the survivors that Nicholas Winton had rescued, who he had never met, and invited Nicholas Winton to come, and they didn't know why they were guests on this show. And then she told the story. She opened the suitcase. She showed the pictures about the children. And then she said, oh, by the way, some of those children are here right now. And so is Nicholas Winton. And this is what happened. All the letters. But back here is the list of all the children. 
This is Vera Diamant, now Vera Gissing. We did find her name on his list. Vera Gissing is with us here tonight. Hello, Vera. And uh, I should tell you that you are actually sitting next to Nicholas Winton. Hello. <laughs> and it was just so wonderful, so terribly, terribly touching. Is there anyone in our audience tonight who owes their life to Nicholas Winton? If so, could you stand up, please? and girls were now grown men and women. And there was Nicholas Winton. There was the man who was responsible for saving their lives. And my favorite part of that clip is when he stands up in shock <laughs> and looks around at all these people that he had an impact over. He looks around in shock at all the people whose lives in his case, were saved because of what he did. If we will allow the Spirit of God to guide us in where we go, what we do, how we live, I believe that one day we will be in heaven and the scene will be kind of like that. We'll look around at all these people. <laughs> like, who are, who are these people that we impacted, that are in heaven because we shared Christ with them, whose lives were made different because we listened to God and, and invested in their lives? One of the things I love to do is I love to leave little tracks. I don't know if you've ever seen what a, a track is. A track's a little uh, gospel presentation about Jesus, and I leave them different places. I go, and I, I've handed them out to hundreds and thousands of people, and I've shared Christ with thousands of people during my life, literally thousands of people, and I taught other people how to share Christ with other people. And most of the people that I've told about Jesus that I don't know real well. I don't know what happened. I don't know if they followed up on it. They became a Christian. Most of the little tracks I've left different places, I don't know if the people read them or what happened. So you're thinking, well, Gary, why do you keep leaving those things? Because I, I've always felt the Spirit telling me that people need to hear about Jesus and I need to do something so they can hear about it. Um, and I believe that one day when I get to heaven, I will see the results of that. I believe somebody will come up to me one day in heaven. Gary, do you remember me? 
No, uh, I'm brand new here. I just got here a while back and checking out the pearly gates and stuff. Uh, who are you? I'm that guy that when you were 28 years old, you gave that little track to and, and invited me to church. Oh, I, well, I really don't remember. It doesn't matter. I'm here because at that moment in my life, things were falling apart. I didn't know how to contact you, but I remember what you gave me. I remember what you said. I read through it, and I gave my life to Christ. And, and I got here to heaven a while back, and I've been waiting around to see who that guy was who gave me that. And it was you. Come here, bro. And then somebody else will come up. Gary, do you remember me? Well, not really. I'm the guy who said, uh, get lost, you crazy religious person and didn't want to hear what you had to say. Oh, yes, I remember you <laughs> now that you remind me of that. Uh, Gary, it wasn't the right time in my life, uh, but later on God did something and I gave my life to Christ. And then there'll be other people that I just counseled or talked to or spent a moment with or hugged or loved. It'll be the same with you. You'll stand up and there they all will be. You are God's poem. You are God's masterpiece. Let Him guide you. And your life can count in a beautiful, beautiful way.